Welcome to this first of our three 2023 preseason editions of Bruce Monin's Computer Points Podcast. I, of course, am Bruce Monin, your host. Also, we have our co-host, executive producer, chief researcher, and honorary Welsh woman, Rebecca Monin. Oh, boy. Oh, no, don't put that on me. (laughs) (laughs) Good to have you back in the USA, Rebecca. Happy to be back. (laughs) So Wales had some good selling points, I'll have to say. I'm sure they miss you there. I don't know if they (laughs) knew me long enough to miss me. All (laughs) righty. But they do have a castle in downtown Cardiff, and that's hard to beat in America. Yeah, not too many castles here in North, in West Central Ohio, are there? No, I think there's one in Loveland, but I think some guy just built that as a hobby. Yeah, there's kind of one in Sydney, too, but yeah. There's one the in Sydney? They call it the castle, right? Okay, I have silent <laughs> affirmation from someone sitting beside me here who refuses to have her voice on the air. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rebecca, we're going to start with something new this time. Oh, boy. Okay. I received two, count them, two emails from listeners since our last episode. Wow. Yes. Our popularity has skyrocketed. We'll start from a uh, frequent responder here, Miss <laughs> Alexandra Trumbull from Cincinnati. She informed us that Case Western Reserve was a land-grant university. And that's why they have a farm. We couldn't figure out on the last podcast why they have a 450-acre farm. Well, that's a good reason for it. She said the word reserve is a giveaway. Yeah, you would. Yeah. (laughs) If we were thinking critically at all, we might have come up with that. Yeah, we missed that one totally. So. (laughs) But now I received another email from a Mr. David Williams from the Villages in Florida. Did we clear this with him that he's okay having his name? We're not just having responses, so we don't have the protocol down. (laughs) I thought, huh, I had to get a hold of this guy. We have a listener in Florida. I wonder why that is. I'm guessing he might have retired there. Yes, I I was guessing. From Ohio. Yeah, probably from like Lima or Marion Local or something like that. It turns out, no, he is from Warren, Ohio, Mm. way on the uh, Northeast area. So we have someone, a listener from over in that part of the state who then moved to Florida and still listens. What a deal, huh? Again, are we sure he's okay with us sharing his name and home address and history? (laughs) Yeah, sure enough. Oh, oh boy. (laughs) Anyway, this gentleman informed us, remember we were talking about the lovely village of Gates Mills. Mm -hmm. He informed us that Hall of Fame pitcher Bob Feller lived there. Now, Rebecca, what's the odds you've ever heard of Hall of Fame pitcher Bob Feller? Less than zero. (laughs) That's what I thought. He was a little old for me even, but, but I do know the name. Apparently, he lived in Gates Mills, had a large enough place that he had a landing strip where he could fly his private plane from. Oh, boy. Very nice, huh? (laughs) We were also talking about Louisville. Wondered why they had such a large competitive balance number. He tells us they receive a lot of students from Youngstown, which are currently near the bottom of the school district ratings. Therefore, Uh, he's trying to get away. 
He also says most of the other school districts in the area, like Canfield, Poland, Boardman, South Range, have closed enrollment. So people open enrolling have few choices. Gotcha. So thanks for the help from our listeners. We can always use more because we need a lot of help, right, Rebecca? Yeah, I'm not always the best at my uh, researcher job. All right, well, on to this episode for this for our season preview, which we're planning to break up into three separate parts, we have brought in a guest to help us out. Because otherwise, it'd be a long time of just Rebecca and I talking. Yeah, and they've had a lot of that from us. Yes, they have. So we have with us Mr. Van Wright. So first of all, welcome, Van. Bruce, thank you so much. What an honor to be a guest on this podcast. First, I want to thank CEO and executive producer Rebecca Monin for the formal <laughs> invitation, uh, which I have fit into my calendar. And Bruce, it's great to join you too. All righty. Well, thank you very much. Oh, boy. Uh, I really have no idea what title to give to you, Van. You're a man of many occupations, interests, and accomplishments. You might be known best. For some reason, this spring, I was following the exploits of the Bowling Green women's basketball team in the NIT tournament on Twitter. And every time there was a picture came up, there was this crazy guy courtside with orange shoes on jumping up and down. And that would have been Mr. Wright here, of course. That would have been me, Bruce. I uh, I do have a lot of titles. I'm not going to go through the seven titles that I have up at Bowling Green, but uh, Orange Shoe Collection, correct. 47 pairs upstairs, Bowling Green is my <laughs> school, and it always will be. So, yes, jumping up and down courtside, it's what I do. My wife uh, is there, but not jumping up and down. As for the connection to West Central Ohio, Van is a resident of Wapakoneta, Ohio, so right in the middle of our coverage area. We wanted Van because as a, I guess, recruiter for Bowling Green, would that be an accurate term? That's right, Bruce. I I spend most of my time in high schools or working with students and families during the college search process, during their college search process. So I literally am in schools or with families just literally every day or all fall and much of the winter. So unlike Rebecca and I, Van has probably been to almost every single school in our coverage area. And we're hoping to get some insight from you on some of these schools during the podcast here. Insight is a strong word, but I, I will do my best. I want to, again, I'm warming up to the, to the job. All righty. Before we get going here, we're still in the off season, Rebecca. You sure are. I actually have uh -huh, the Tour de France playing in the background with the sound <laughs> off. But that There's was a Wednesday. fun noise. Yeah, we're in the first stage in the Pyrenees, climbing some big mountains today. I'm excited. Okay. Also, I believe Rebecca has just rounded up for us some tickets to the U.S. Figure Skating Championships in February. Yeah. Well, yeah. The Can you tell uh, me more about that, Rebecca. So the figure skating season's kind of on the same schedule as football. It's a little bit interesting that way, and that. Main qualifiers and competitions start up early fall, and they culminate in the big ones you've heard about. So U.S. Nationals is in January, February time frame, and then they go on to do the Grand Prix series and international competitions. And that's usually when Winter Olympics falls after that, which is what everyone hears about. And this year, for some reason, 
the Nationals is in Columbus, Ohio, which is very accessible for me. <laughs> so I scraped up some tickets and stepped me so I wouldn't be there alone. Also, he, I, he's had to listen to me rant about them long enough. I figure he should see some of the U.S. skaters in person. Seen it on television many a time, never in person. So, Pretty excited. Yeah. Got now, tickets I've... to the final day events, including the, the free skates, the free dances, and the uh, free pair skate. I don't know, it's the longer ones that you see on the second days, as well as the exhibition skate at the end, which is when they get to break all the rules and wear fun costumes, which is a lot of fun. Oh, I wasn't sure we were getting the exhibition skate. What a deal. Yes. All right. Another great thing about having Van Ride on as a member of Bowling Green, there's a little bit of a figure skating influence there at Bowling Green University. You know, Bruce, uh, Bowling Green is the hometown of the greatest male figure skater in U.S. history. Uh, and it's not close, and that's Scott Hamilton. <laughs> uh, he was born and raised in Bowling Green. His parents were professors. In 1968, Bruce and Rebecca, I walked into the ice arena at Bowling Green State University. I was 13. Scott would have been 10. I had never met him to that point. Me and my buddies were running through the ice arena, which was brand new, running running it like we did in town because we were all uh, connected to the university in some way or another, uh, and we are just running through there looking at how great it was going to be, thinking about our great hockey skating. And in the corner was a little boy. Uh, people know that story. Scott Hamilton had a brain tumor, as it turned out, that stunted his growth. And he was out there skating because his parents felt he that would be a good exercise for him. We watched him with his skating coach for about 10 minutes. My buddy turned to me and said, that kid right there is going to be in the Olympics. And I turned to him and I said, we are in Bowling Green, dude. <laughs> no way that kid that size from Bowling Green will ever be in the Olympics. And as we know, he won a gold medal, numerous world championships. Scott Hamilton is the is one of the all-time greats out of Bowling Green. Uh, last year, uh, in late 2022, he contacted me. and would like to get up to BG to, with my... Uh, Son, he said, and visit BG with you, Van. I said, Scott, let's go. So Scott Hamilton, his son and I out of Nashville, Tennessee, took a four-hour personal tour at Bowling Green. And the thing you need to know, Rebecca, about Scott Hamilton is he's a better person than he is skater. Absolutely an incredible person. It was one of my greatest days. I, I think his son may indeed choose BG, but Scott Hamilton is a Bowling Green treasure. So we can put to rest one rumor. You did not recruit Scott Hamilton to go to Bowling Green then. Many people have said that I, at my age, they misunderstand. No, I'm only six, turning 67, Bruce, not turning 77. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. So back to high school football. <laughs> sure. We may get off topic once or twice today. We, we shall just, see. Just a couple times. <laughs> We are following a total of 88 teams this season here in West Central Ohio. Using the results of the last four seasons as a guideline, and I think I once went into the details of the math. We are not doing it today. <laughs> I have made mathematical projections of where these schools may finish at the end of the season in the computer points. So we're going to use that to divide teams into three different categories here. 
We'll start with the your likely playoff teams. That's ones that I have predicted to score double the amount of points or more of what is needed to make the playoffs. We have possible playoff teams. Anyone that's made, oh, I predict them to have at least 50% of the total that the 16th place team will have in order to make the playoffs. So teams that might make the playoffs might not. They ought to, they ought to be in the hunt. And then we have the unlikely playoff teams. They're the ones that have had a bad four years. Now, maybe a couple of these have some new coaches this year, maybe a new star player too. Some of these teams will make the playoffs. You know, lots of teams make the playoffs these days, right? That is true. True. But these are the ones that have the toughest road ahead of them, I believe. And with that, we shall start looking at these teams starting at Division One. I. I just want to note, there are no personal predictions in those categories. That is purely mathematical. I do not know anything about all 88 teams <laughs> in our coverage area. I do not try to know anything specifically about all 88 teams. I, I, just do be- make, I, I do make personal predictions myself, though, Bruce. So, you know, that's what I do. So, okay. you, you, well, a few might pop out among us. But for the most part, I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to that sort of thing. So. And he's our our trusted source on these subjects. But I believe it was last week, last episode already, I mentioned to keep an eye on Patrick Henry, right? That's my one big prediction for this year. But we'll get to them in the third of our preseason episodes here when we cover Division 7. So right now, Division 1. You ready to go, Rebecca? Ready and excited. In Division One, Region Two, there are 17 teams in this region. 16 make the playoffs. Your playoff odds should be pretty good if you're in this region. <laughs> I would say so. We have Finley, who I have listed as a possible playoff team. You know, Rebecca, I don't know how this happened, but I, I'm pretty sure we did not mention Finley once the last year or two. They're we right. Flagtown, USA. Right smack dab in the middle of our coverage area, right there, and somehow we missed them. So, so yep. major section of our market we're missing there. Yep, largest school, one of the largest schools, if not the largest school that we're talking about in terms of volume of students. Right? Yeah, it is the yep. only Division One school we will be talking about in this area. So, yes. So, I guess we have a we have a bias for the smaller schools, Rebecca, and it showed the last. Couple. We do. We do a bit. Yeah. That's all I have to say about family. I think they have a good chance with 17 teams that are finishing in the top 16. That's my prediction for Finley. Okay. <laughs> yeah, with a four-star, five-star quarterback, uh, Luke Montgomery. Uh, yeah, they, they, they're a lock is what you, you would call You think that. so? They're probably they're a, lock. a lock. Yeah. Because <laughs> to be a lock, they probably need to win three games. And I think that's more than a given for Finley this year. Yeah, I forgot about that. I'd heard about that quarterback, so. All right, Division Two. We're done with one division already. How about that? Oh boy, <laughs> it's only going to get more exciting from here. Yes, indeed. Division Two. We'll we'll go with Region Eight. There are twenty-two teams here, so six teams will miss the playoffs. Just taking a look at it, it looks like four wins probably locks down a playoff spot. It's possible mathematically you might need five, but four to five wins gets you in the playoffs here. Our likely playoff teams are Piqua and Troy, which, by the way, that has to be one of the top rivalries in the state of Ohio. Piqua and Troy have played well over 100 times, I believe. And 
from my year and a half in Troy way back when I know they don't like each other very much. <laughs> when I walk in the, the high school at either one of those on the week they play, Bruce, it is an absolutely, I hate to say it, but warlike atmosphere. I mean, they literally do not like each other. True statement. Oh, boy. I seem to recall from my short time there that there's still a little animosity over the fact that Troy was named the county seat and not Piqua, and they're still fighting about that. So, mm -hmm. uh, Also in this region, we have probably not quite as much a lock for the playoffs. We have Sydney and Lima Senior. Last year, these four teams combined went a total of one and four in the playoffs, so not a good postseason for these teams. Mm -mm. They all made the playoffs, only one win. We noted Lima Senior, Senior a lot last year. They started 3-0, and and then they lost their next eight games afterwards by an average of 34 points a game. So, Oh, that's hard. They got just yeah. enough points in those first three games to make the playoffs, and then they just slid right downhill. I think as Lima Senior gets ready for their new league in the Toledo City League, Bruce, with their new coach, they're a year away. They're a year away. Their competition will be – they'll get some more confidence in that league, and I think they'll become a better program. Yes, and for those of you that don't know, this new league is basically the Toledo public schools formed their own league to get away from the Toledo, the Toledo private schools, and Lima Senior found a way to get into that league, and it should fit them a lot better. Lima Senior always has trouble because there are no schools their size anywhere near them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. By the way, those Toledo private schools, who we don't follow, but in case you're interested, formed a league with a bunch of private schools in Detroit. And they're going to be going back and forth across the border for their games this year. So That's not a short drive, but I guess the yeah, experience Toledo is De worth it. What is Toledo to Detroit? Under an hour? Like uh, No, I think it's like an hour and a half. You have to get, you have to, get to the other side of Ann Arbor. That's true. I'm thinking of Ann Arbor. So. Uh-huh. Yeah, it depends on where the schools are playing, Bruce. And it's it's not too bad a drive, but they had very few options. They had, I mean, well, let me correct that. They had one option, join with the Detroit Catholic League. That's what they had. So they'll be playing university and Detroit Jesuit and Detroit Catholic Central. And those are great football. Birmingham Brother Rice, those are great football schools. Yes, they are. And we have another division down. Division two is done. As we said, our area is leaned heavily towards the smaller schools. Not too many Division I and Division II schools around. In Division Three, in Division Three, we shall start in the Northwest, Region 10. There are 27 teams in that region, so a much tougher road to make the playoffs there. 11 teams will miss out. Looks to me like, again, another four to five win region. We're only cover one team there, and they look like a possible playoff team, and that would be Defiance. Now, Defiance has had some bad years lately, but last year, in what was a surprise to me, maybe it wasn't to the people up there, but what was a surprise to me, Defiance came back from a 3-7 and seven record in 2021 and went 7-5 and five last year. So that would be a 6-4 and four regular season, one win in the playoffs. That's better than they've seen in Defiance in a number of years. So here's hoping they can keep that going this year. Dynamic offense. I watched them last year. They, they a lot of weapons. You know, Bruce, I don't know how many returned, but boy, dynamic offensive team. 
Yeah, I didn't get to see him last year. I, I haven't seen him since the days of Jerry Beauty. If you remember him, he was coach there for 20, oh, yeah. 30 years, I bet. Oh, yeah. Nice guy, athletic director, too. I got to meet him at some basketball tournaments. So I always like going up to Defiance. Of course, Rebecca, that would be the hated enemy of some of our relatives in Napoleon. True. Another big <laughs> rivalry in the state, Napoleon Defiance. Okay, moving down. A little bit farther south in the state in Region 11, another region we only follow one team, that is Bell Fountain. There are 22 teams there, probably five wins needed to guarantee a playoff berth. We think Bell Fountain is likely to get one. They should be good enough to snag one of those. Yeah, they're going to come out with their quarterback. You were just going to mention uh, the OSU commit, Tavian St. Clair, is a real, real player. But they're well coached. Coach Jason Brown, the principal there, very, very good coach. The knock on Bell Fountain has always been that they're not physical enough once they get out of their league. And he is working on that. If he can get them stronger, then this is a team that, that could go places. Yeah, they had a great eight and two regular season last year. Then a tough five point loss in the first round of the playoffs, though. And getting to a few more teams here, moving to Region 12. 28 teams in that region. So again, probably five wins needed to make sure you get in the playoffs. We have Tip City, Tippecanoe, and Wapakoneta both look very good for a playoff spot. We have Salina, Lima, Shawnee, and Elida, three other WBL teams. They're going to be more borderline probably, at least they have been in the last few years. And then we have Greenville, who's had a tough, tough run of it the last four years. They're, they're going to have to do a lot better than they have been if they want to make it into the playoffs. Yeah, and that possible playoff group, I, I like Salina to, to get, be, be better yet. I think, I think they're, they're a team on the rise for sure, no doubt about that. Wapakoneta is going to be good. Tip City has a great kicker. They lost a great kicker who's at Bowling Green for this fall, Jackson Cleather. But they return a lot of people at Tip. Yeah, I can say just going back to Salina, only one and nine back in 2021, went to six and five last year, right there in the uh, lost their non-conference game. So that would be a six and three WBL mark. Quite impressive, actually. Lima, Shawnee, Elida, Greenville all missed the playoffs last year. I believe Shawnee and Elida were a little closer, if I remember right. Wapakoneta, two playoff wins last year. So not only in, but also contending for that regional title. I see no reason that shouldn't continue this year. Bruce, that's my hometown team. I, I don't, you know, I'm I'm very biased. Travis Moyer is an incredible football coach. I mean, he, he's won everywhere he's been, literally, and it doesn't seem to matter who graduates, who returns. He takes the players available and wins football games. Absolutely incredible football coach. I seem to remember a very young quarterback there. Was he a freshman last year or was he up to sophomore last year? That's Caleb Moyer. His boy is was the quarterback last year as a freshman. So you would naturally think from when you go from 14 and a half years old to wherever he is now, 16, that that he should be better and stronger. He was capable. He just needs a little bit more uh, more strength and experience. And he got that last year as right in the fire there. And if Wapakoneta wants to win this region, the team standing in their way might be Tip City. They won the region last year. Then they lost to Bloom Carroll in the state semifinals. I think we both probably predicted that one wrong, Rebecca, just guessing. Probably, yeah. But we predict a lot of playoff games wrong, so. 
Moving down to Division 4. And you'll notice as the divisions get smaller, the number of teams we cover gets larger. Funny how that works. So in Division 4, Region 14, only 23 teams. So seven teams will miss the playoffs. Again, in what's kind of a trend, it looks like five wins guarantees a playoff berth. Our likely playoff teams are headlined by two WBL squads, Van Wert and St. Mary's. Both have been very good for many years now. If nothing else, in high school football, in general, teams that have been very good tend to stay very good. Yeah, the I walk those halls at all the time in those schools, Van Wert and St. Mary's. Winning attitudes, Bruce. Winning attitudes. Now, Van Wert lost some great offensive talent well great talent from their team last year but they like you say they've had success i gotta think they're going to continue to have it and st mary's going to do what st mary's does so yeah i think those two teams are are kind of a lock in there at five wins plus yep they both finished in the top eight last year in the region and between the two of them they won four playoff games so very good year for those two in our possible playoff teams category we have napoleon Ben Logan and Lima Bath. Now, last year, Napoleon finished 16th in the region, just got into playoffs. They beat out Ben Logan for that last spot by just a little bit. And of course, their reward was they ran into the eventual state champions from Cleveland Glenville and were able to experience the joy of the running clock, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. mm, yes. I would think Cleveland Glenville ought to still be pretty good in this region and a team to watch out for. I don't know. I know they lost a lot, but that's Glenville's going to be really, really good. But on this list of your possible playoff teams, I'm picking Ben Logan for the biggest upside this year, the biggest move up. I'm picking the Raiders with a big with a larger move up. Watch, watch the Raiders. Watch for Ben Logan. Okay. And in our unlikely playoff teams, we have Kenton, who is really been on the downside of the WBL lately. I don't I haven't heard of anything that makes me think they're coming back up this year. We'll have to wait and see. I don't hear a whole lot from Kenton to be quite honest. I'm there all the time. It's a great school for me and my work at Bowling Green for his students. Some great Wildcats become Falcons as students. One of the issues there, Bruce, is they continue to lose some uh, some numbers and volume both in the school and going out for sports. So they have to get that turned. Yep. Last year, they did manage to avoid the basement. They beat Lima Bath in, in week three. That was the game to avoid being last in the conference. Pretty early in the season for that game. Now, moving down south to Region 16. 25 teams here. Seven or nine will miss the playoffs. This looks like a tougher region. I think it'll take six wins to guarantee a playoff berth in this region. That is pretty significant. Yes, it is. We have listed as possible playoff teams Urbana and St. Paris Graham, and as unlikely, Tip City Bethel. Urbana and Graham, they faced each other in the first round of the playoffs last year. Urbana won 42 to 35 in not exactly a defensive showcase. <laughs> Well, the Falcons of Graham uh, don't play much defense. They're going to outscore you. That's their that's their modus operandi. That's how they work. So we'll see what happens this year with my friends, the hill climbers from Urbana, the oftentimes the bell cow of that area. Absolutely. I personally will get to see Graham in week two. I get to go to St. Paris and watch the game there against Minster. So I'll know a lot more about Graham early in the season. 
And most important to me, I hear they have a decent press box. Ooh. Yeah, I be, I've been to their stadium several times. You sold a lot of propane in my previous uh, career down there. So I've been to that stadium several times. Yeah, the press box is going to be good. You're going to be fine there. You're going to be good. But I see you have unlikely playoff team, Tip City Bethel. Well, you know, and I, I agree there is a tough region to get in. But as Rebecca knows, uh, being from down south here, Tip City Bethel is the fastest growing school district in this, I'll call it the southwest part of the state. It's the fastest growing. So watch them to get better over time. Watch Bethel, all athletics. Yeah, I was surprised to see them in Division Four. That yeah. was I, back when I was in school. Bethel was about the same size as as your basic MAC team. They are there. The growth in there with new houses and things like that coming out of Wright, Pat, other things coming up north from Miami or up into Miami County is tremendous. That school district is growing like crazy. Watch them. And Bethel actually finished twenty second last year with a four and six record. So it shows you both the toughness of the region for getting in the playoffs and their four wins didn't generate many computer points. A lot of one and nine and two and eights and zero and tens on their schedule. Nope. They need to get better and they will is what I'm saying. All righty. We'll keep an eye on Tip City Bethel then. So we hate to go too long. So we shall halt here for the moment and we'll resume in our next episode with divisions five and six in our second preseason episode of Bruce Monin's Computer Points. Why don't you tell us how people can join those two people who emailed us last time, how they can get a hold of us and tell us all the things we're doing wrong here. Sure. You can, of course, always reach us by tweeting on Twitter at Bruce Monin. And, of course, you can email us at bdmonin at nktelco.net. So long, everybody. 